Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again for Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. Doc Searles is here as usual. But today we also have a special guest, Rob Chavelle of Delete Me fame. You may have heard of their service. I'll let him actually tell you more about it, but but it's actually pretty cool. And he's not even paying me to say that. So <laughs> So before we get started, though, I wanted to remind everyone that we have a website. Please check us out at reality2cast.com. You can find supplementary info. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can even send us money. So, I mean, that would be cool. So with, with, with that, I will turn it over to Doc and Rob. And I'm hoping, Rob, you can, you can introduce yourself a little bit more than I just did and give us a little bit of background on who you are and what you do and how Delete Me came about. Sure. Well, I, I should first say, if we haven't sent money into the podcast, we, we should. And I hope you accept uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, we accept all kinds of currency, I think. I, I, accept, I accept thanks and gratitude Any, Anything from forms. compliments on up. You know. Compliments will work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although we do have some supporters through uh, coffee and Patreon and various other means, and we appreciate them greatly. So thank you. You know who you are. <laughs> Well, we need to be we need to be one of those folks. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you guys uh, for having me. Uh, we've been big fans of uh, of yourself and the podcast, and uh, are really uh, happy to be here. Uh, and yeah, uh, delete me and the parent company whose whose name is Abine. Uh, really, I think we've been around for ten years, and I think by by simply length of time, that makes us one of the, you know, older uh, companies in the uh, in the privacy uh, area, and we've you know in the in the past ten years, you know, had the the pleasure of and and I guess perspective to witness a lot of the changes going on in online privacy, and uh, and so we're excited to to be here and to talk about you know what's what's happened in the past and, and hopefully what will happen in the future. And uh, just, just to briefly touch on what Catherine said, uh, Delete Me is, is one of our services uh, and it's sadly not at DeleteMe.com, but join DeleteMe.com because um, the entrepreneur that owns DeleteMe.com won't sell it to me. Uh, but that aside, uh, it is a service that you sign up for and then we, remove, we go about remove finding your information uh, wherever it is at, at tons of different data brokers and showing you where we found it and then removing it on your behalf. So that is the essence of, uh, of the service that Delete provides. So I have to say, I, I now recall, I don't know if you were at the meeting or not, but I met with the founders like 10 years ago in Arlington, Mass at a coffee shop I was there, Doc. You that were there. Me. Okay, that's that was where, me and that's my co-founder. That is the deal. That is that's absolutely. It was it, I, it was I, absolutely I, in Arlington. That's I just right. put it together. I, I biked up there because I lived about, you know, fifteen houses away on the bike trail, yep. and uh, that was our local coffee shop. It was a great great meeting, and and I'm so glad you you already had Blur at that point. I think that was one of the things you had, and this that's credit correct. card kind of thing, and uh, and you're one of the many companies sort of in the space. Most of which, if not all of which, are now gone. Are they not? I don't know who is still a yeah, competitor uh, then and is still. You know, it's funny. There's been a lot of uh, failed attempts to, to, to deliver privacy services to people and make, a, and make money doing it. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it's been a tough, in some, time, in some cases, it's been a tough, uh, you know, tough uh, place, place to start a business. At the same time, um, I, I, I think, you know, it's been really fascinating for those of us that have survived in, in the privacy sphere uh, and trying to create a business that both protects people's privacy and makes money, uh, doing things mm. sort of the right way. You know, ethical capitalism is one, one, one term for it. Uh, it's been really fascinating to be in that uh, area and, and to watch now uh, what we see uh, today in 2021, a lot of new startups, new entrepreneurs, fresh, smart, talented people come into the space because the privacy problem is more interesting, more acute, more near and dear to people 
uh, today than it was 10 years ago. And that is, that is really fun to see. It's encouraging. Do you find that Apple's marketing kind of in, indirectly benefits you? 100%. Uh, <laughs> you know, seeing Apple's billboard saying, you know, in every city in the country, uh, and God knows what they're showing, you know, outside of the U.S., uh, is showing billboards saying, you know, iPhone, that's privacy, and, and, and taking a stand against some of Facebook's marketing practices and so forth, uh, I think it's, it's tremendously helpful uh, to the industry as a whole. Let's uh, tell us about Delete Me, and then I want to hear a bit more about how you guys have done the broken field running necessary as as privacy went from a near non-issue to front and center. But Delete Me in particular is kind of a is more really pretty targeted. Yeah, so um, I think I think uh, when we started the the company uh, again, Facebook was. This is so long ago that Facebook was still a privately held corporation that wasn't even accessible to everyone. It was still being Facebook was still widening its its uh, audience from universities to friends to friends of friends. And you know, frankly, most of us can't even remember that time because it feels so strange that there was a time to think about a time where you couldn't even create a Facebook account if you weren't in the right group. The if right you didn't have a university group. ID. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. You had to have a university uh, uh, email address. Yeah. That's exactly right, Doc. So, yeah. so it was so far back when we started, and we, and we said to ourselves, and, and you know, I started the company with two much smarter uh, MIT engineers, and, and I'm you know, sort of the dumb business guy, and, and they said, look, you know, this social networking and, the, and sharing all this data in the cloud isn't what it's all cracked up to be. In fact, there's a lot of problems with it, and there's a lot of toxic behaviors that uh, are endemic in the industry. And it would be nice if consumers could have a, uh, a set of technologies that were easier to use that gave them a choice about whether you know, they shared their data or not, uh, with, with, uh, especially in this uh, social uh, and, and cloud-based uh, uh, sort of digital economy that we're moving into. And so we, we proceeded to um, build a set of solutions uh, to try to help consumers um, get and, and give them choice in, in regards to what they shared and what they didn't share. And, and lo and behold, as we did that, and that was Blur, as you, as, as you mentioned, Doc, we, we talked about that when we met um, yeah. many years ago. Um, and the idea was, behind that product, uh, which you can still go find on our website and is doing great, is, hey, if you, if you are, are asked to share data and you click into a form that says, hey, give us your email address, give us your phone number, give us your credit card, um, shouldn't you have a choice? You know, shouldn't you be able to use the service but not give them your real phone number, not give them your real uh, credit card, not give them your real email address, but still be able to use the service and, and, and receive messages from you know the service and and, and still be able to uh, charge you know buy something you know, kind of thing. So we, we basically created uh, a password manager that also allows you to choose whether you share your information with each uh, website that you're interacting with or not. And that's uh, the product called Blur. And you know the interesting thing about that was people came to us, our customers came to us and said. Hey, that's great, uh, guys. Uh, it's great that I can now mask, and we call it apropos of the pandemic, we call it masked information. So you can share a masked email address, it's not your real email address, or a masked phone number, uh, or a masked credit card. And people came to us and they said, that's great that we can mask our information um, like we do with our faces now in COVID, but uh, my information is already out there. There's all these data brokers that have my um uh, address and they have my phone number and they have my email. What do I do about that? And so we created a service called Delete Me, which tries to, to in some um, in some way, shape, or form, take care of that problem. And and Delete Me works by you come to joindeletemy.com, you sign up, you you tell us what your basic personal information is, and then we go out and search for it, find where it's um, where it's being sold at at you know, a growing list of data brokers. And then we go actually do the work for you, 
to submit all of the opt-out requests to remove your information from those databases. And so everything we've done and, 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 and what Delete Me is today is a result of our customers telling us, hey, this is, this is a problem that we have and, 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 and we don't necessarily want to solve it ourselves. So I understand the motivation that you know people might have from the privacy angle, but what about just security and safety and and you know what sort of um, threats does this head off in terms of scams or, or uh, protecting people against maybe criminal activity? I mean, can it? I assume it kind of helps there too. Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, it's 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 one that we didn't really think about until recently because we came at the problem from a very privacy-centric angle, um, you know. And, and, and somewhat myopically, we didn't, we didn't look at this, this data broker industry, which has sprung up as the internet has sprung up uh, as, a, as a problem that was bigger than privacy, but it is uh, if you narrowly define privacy. And, and, and now we have both um, individual uh, customers signing up and, and, and many, many businesses signing up because there are much bigger concerns related to data brokers' collection of profile information about each of us and things like doxing, harassment, and network security. Because lo and behold, a lot of this information that the data brokers have, such as our parents, our mother's maiden name, or our parents' uh, and relatives' addresses and ages and dates of birth, are often used as passwords, as second factor authentication, key mechanisms, and so on and so forth. So uh, there's, a, there's a definitive relationship um, between the information these data bro brokers are willing to sell to anyone at a relatively cheap price and the ability for a, a company or a user to secure their network, their passwords, and be uh, resistant to phishing scams, which can be made increasingly realistic if it seems like the company reaching out to you is legitimate because they have your personal information. Yeah, that's a really good point. Huh. So just a as an aside, I wanted to let you know that, that the friend that is a fan of yours just wrote me and said how much they love you and that y'all are doing God's internet work. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in such things. <laughs> anyway, I thought you could enjoy that compliment just now. Um, yeah, so how does, I mean, I, apologies for anyone listening. If this starts to sound like a little infomercially, I totally don't mean it. I just am legitimately a fan and I have a lot of questions. So bear with me. <laughs> um, how does the, the masking the credit card thing differ from something like, um, you know, Apple, the new Apple credit card does a similar thing, or it doesn't mask it exactly, but it's easy to sort of like spin up a new number. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's a, it's a technical question and it's a good one. Um, and, and, you know, we, we are uh, complimentary of Apple for spending lots of advertising money, uh, promoting privacy and putting their technology uh, uh, efforts, including their latest developer conference, which happened, I think, less than a month ago, uh, very in terms of a focus on privacy. So Apple is walking the walk in many instances. And one of them, uh, as you asked about Catherine, is Apple Pay. And what they did with Apple Pay is they, they used a, 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 a technology which doesn't really need to be uh, talked about in fancy terms, but it's called tokenization. And what they do is they take your credit card number and they turn it into a, you know, a, a long string of numbers and letters, which becomes a token um, that, that then get, is an identifier that then gets passed around to the store that you pay, uh, that you swipe your iPhone, uh, Apple pay or your touch or, you know, uh, what's the word uh put your phone near the uh the the payment terminal at the cafe that you're at or whatever and they they, they turn your your actual card number into a you know random unique identifier that then the rest of the banks and the network use to process your payment and in effect they never get your 
your real credit card number. So that the idea of tokenization is never reveal that that credit card number um, to the rest of the um, merchants and banks and other uh, entities that you may not think about when you uh, make a payment. And so that's what Apple did there. And uh, that is uh, part of every Apple Pay transaction. Um, what's different about what 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 blurs mass cards do is we provide that functionality no matter what transaction you do and it doesn't require using you using apple pay it doesn't require the the store or the restaurant you're at to accept apple pay you can go ahead and pay like you normally do and we create you a new credit card number for a specific value on the fly. But the principle uh, behind it is the same, which is stop giving out this personal information like your, your personal credit card number um, to so many different third parties. Because as we've seen, uh, nobody is immune from data breaches. And so the solution is to stop sharing the real private personal information that we all, uh, you know, th th that represents our identities and share uh, uh, versions of that um, that can that can still perform the uh, you know the functions that we want. Uh, we we can still transact. We can still shop. We can still sign up for websites without revealing all that that stuff because frankly they don't need to know it. They can still have a good business without having all of our personal information. So let me ask: What happens if if Apple or Microsoft or, for that matter, Google um, decides that they want to eat your business, in other words, say, "Okay, we we could do all that. We can do all that for you." You know, we'll we'll uh, and where I'm going with this is there's a principle at work here, and the principle is need to know. What do you really need to know? What does the other party really need to know? And and the truth is, in most cases, they need to know pretty close to nothing, right? Um, I mean, you walk into a store, they don't need to know what's in your wallet in order for you to buy a cupcake. You know, you you walk in, you could make up a name. And, you know, I know guys named Mike, you know, who will make up another name. My real name is David. I'm called Doc because there are too many Davids in the world. Um, you know, you make up a name and, and you walk out. It's kind of a burner thing, right? But the difference with what you're doing is that these aren't burner things because there's, there's, a, there's a track there that the individual can, can follow back. But... But I'm wondering what happens when, when the need to know becomes a big enough deal that the bigs are going to want to be in that business. They could buy you. I mean, that's one thing they could do. But um, I'm wondering where you see it's that a great, going. It, it, it's a great question, Doc. And, and uh, I think um, the, the, the answer that I would I would give you is we hope that they do because you're a hundred and ten percent right on the principle. The right. principle is is what we need to pay attention to, not the particular company or the technology. The principle is one that gives people back control of their information, and it is uh, it, you know it is a principle about need to know. What do you really need to know? And frankly, if you trust a brand or a third party and, and they offer you a great benefit, they may, you may share a lot of personal details with them. That's okay. We're not anti-business. We're not anti-capitalist. I run for profit company. I appreciate the ability for companies to make money. And I know there are all different kinds of ways to do that. The, I, the, the principle that matters to us. And I think that, that we would welcome and, and I think Apple is frankly at the forefront of this, um, it, it, it is where the user has a real choice. And, 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 and that is something we hope to see uh, adopted as a more widespread practice. And there's no way we can do it alone. There's no way the small startups that are uh, competitors to us with full of smart people can do it. It has to be done at an industry-wide level and, and, and folks like Apple and, and, and some of the security companies that have reached out to us and said, hey, we understand it now. And, and this has happened, frankly, 
uh, guys in the, in the last, only in the last 12 months. Some of the big consumer security companies have said, hey, hey guys, uh, can we do some kind of partnership? Because we understand finally the message you've been telling us for 10 years, which is it's not about protecting the PC from, from viruses anymore. It's about protecting the user and their personal information. So I do think, you know, th this is, we see evidence that, that um, the idea and the principle, as you put it, is being considered seriously for broad adoption. Uh, and, it's, and it's not just Apple, uh, but it needs to happen broadly. And, and, and no one startup and no one company can be the, uh, the key player in something that's so important um, to restore some equilibrium on the internet in, a, in, in what's become a, a complete Wild West surveillance economy. So something that Doc said earlier, um, that need to know, I think is, is significant here. And, and I think also just backing up a little bit from that, COVID, you know, this, the last year and a half of our lives has brought a lot of issues to the forefront. One of those is this idea of identi identity verification with regard to vaccine status. And this is something that we kind of talked about offline a little bit. Um, so I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that and, and this idea of being able to verify, is it a good idea? And, and could it be verified with, with sharing as little information as possible? Like, like Doc says, you, if that's all the information you're, you're looking for, why should you share anything other than status, yes or no? Instead of, you know, because I think we all believe that if there were some sort of vaccine app like other countries are using or some sort of vaccine passport you're not really just sharing your vaccine status they're sucking up all your personal information as well which is problematic so so i wonder if you could talk about that a little well it's a great question and and you know we, we we've done some some survey research on our own about it uh and but i think that the the broader it brings to light the broader question, which is, well, gee, once once you share information, who's treating it as a need to know? Uh, uh, who's receiving it, and and is the recipient also treating it as it on a need to know basis? And I think, unfortunately, um, my experience with other organizations and software developers is, if it works, ship it. And that's yeah. the sad reality right. uh, yeah. of, 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 of the pressure on software developers. So it is structurally uh, opposite to building in privacy concerns to a, to a set of APIs. It is structurally opposed to the principles of need to know because as soon as automation works, as soon as software works, they ship it. And they don't care in, mo in almost all cases. I would go so far as saying, you know, even within the boundaries of compliance frameworks that have teeth, some teeth like HIPAA, there is still a culture of, hey, if it works, let's do it. And that's, that's been the software industry's mantra for 30, 40 years. It's very hard to change, um, you know, that kind of culture and, 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 and to draw a line between that and your question, I would say that when we share new kinds of data, like whether we're vaccinated or not in an app or, or otherwise, even on a piece of paper to a TSA agent, um, which we were talking about in the very beginning of this conversation, that information is going into a database and the people that design that database and are custodians of it are not necessarily good stewards of a need to know basis uh, kind of uh, information um, uh, set of principles. So I, I am concerned about it. So, so in, in the movie Finding Nemo, there's a great scene where um, Bruce the shark is at, at this uh, AA kind of thing where he's trying to, you know, um, go cold turkey on his appetite for blood, but then he smells some blood and goes crazy. And... Um, and, you know, as, as you say, you know, fish aren't food, you know, or something like that. I forget what he says. This is a little chat. Uh, fish are friends, not food, right? And it's sort of that way with users, right, with, with these companies. Because it's not just that there are these software development imperatives. There is, on the, especially something that happened in the last 10 years, a little longer than that, really goes back to the aughts. But 
something I never expected back in the last millennium, which is that marketing would become terribly powerful. Marketing was this very secondary opera thing. It was usually, you know, you know, somebody who just got out of school and, you know, and, and but now it's like there's the C, the, you know, the chief marketing officer, the CMO. And the imperative there is you want as much data as possible. We're going to we're going to get all we can. And so I'm wondering to it seems to be, I mean, this isn't just commentary on my part. I mean, it's it seems to me there there need to be design principles that say, no, no, you know, it's very hard to reconcile need to know, which is basically you need to know shit. You need to know very little about these people. And in fact, if you find out too much, it turns into radon gas. It, it turns into the, you know, the the silent killer because suddenly you're you're liable. You're a target for uh, for attack. You know, you're uh, all of this stuff. There's there's a day that goes by that some company that doesn't have its pants pulled down because their their bad practices expose thousands or millions of people um, to all kinds of stuff. So I'm wondering where where Abine it is Abine or not Abine? I forget which. It's Abine. Yeah, um, the company plays in this thing. I mean, and, and to, to what extent even you're in a position to, to negotiate with these companies to say, hey guys, you know. Your, your users don't not only don't want this, you really don't need this stuff, and what we're doing is actually good for you. Uh, great observation, great question. Uh, you know, our, our, our design principle has been no negotiation. Um, hmm. You guys, you, you, you know, you guys are gonna get the information that our, our customers choose to give you, and uh, whether it's a real email address or, you know, a burner one or what we call a masked one, um, so be it. You know, you're going to have to work with that. And, and, and frankly, that I think has worked in the sense that the, the other, the counterparty, the marketing department and so on, doesn't have to change any of their practices. And yet the user gets control. So, for example, if you've given out, if you've shopped at a site, uh, where you've registered your account and, and shopped with masked information that you generated from Blur. And that site then has a data breach and, and sends out a data breach notification under the notification laws saying, hey, sorry, we lost your data. Uh, you know, it's on the dark web now. Sorry about that. Um, what, what your recourse, um, you know, uh, as a typical individual, might be uh, if you gave them, you know, the normal information, your real personal information might be to just advocate for some form of identity protection uh, that they compensate you for or something like that. Your recourse with with blur uh, uh, masked credentials is you literally go to your dashboard, you turn them off, you literally turn them off. There can be no, there's one button. There can be no more emails sent to that email. There can be no more credit card charges on that credit card. There can be no more phone calls to that phone number. So it's a, it, it really actually does work in, in, in the real world uh, under that scenario. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I'm quite pessimistic in terms of uh, the industry changing its practices without um, larger uh, brands leading the way and giving consumers easy to use choices uh, for the protection and, and to align with the principle of, do you need to know? And frankly, uh, correlated to that, do I want you to know? Mm -hmm. And we have one company so far doing that. That's really big. Yeah, I would, I would sadly say that's true, but I do think that there's others on the horizon um mm. that are going to be fast followers to apple you give any, any guesses on those i would say microsoft should be one of them only because anybody who's paying a company like apple, apple doesn't have users they have customers you know and the customers pay well for what they get and so it's no surprise that apple's working for those people because those people are paying them you know whereas well facebook has users google has users for the most part you know, they're, they're advertising. Co they're advertising companies. As you, yeah. as, as, you know, you might be as as you know as as, as blunt as that. And and Apple it, it has not been one and and is not one today. And that gives them the the degrees of freedom to do these kinds of things. And you're absolutely right. Uh, 
you know, I think Microsoft is, 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 you know, is, is, a, is, is one of the big companies that is not classically an advertising company. Their revenue streams come from all kinds of things from, you know, cloud services to computers, surface computers to, uh, the big, the big elephant licenses, the, the, mm. the tax that we all pay for our Windows, uh, well, you guys are Linux people, so you don't pay it. But yeah, but uh, we for, still have, for, com- for we have computers that have a little Windows on them and a little copyright <laughs> notice on on the underside. You know, you, you it's get a good your Lenovo laptop, and it still has a bunch of Windows stuff on it, right? It's no, a I good confess, business. I'm mostly a Mac user these days. Yeah. Although I do still have a have a Linux machine that I use. So. You know, I I, I, I got to dig on Apple a little bit. Uh, just personally, like I, I, I own MacBooks for 10 years and I, I just feel like the quality has decreased. And I went back to a, one of these Lenovo yoga windows, um, machines where you can, you know, write, write, you know, write on it with a, mm-hmm. um, a stylus and also use it like a regular computer. And it's been an easy uh, transition for me. And, uh, you know, whether it's Unix underneath or, or windows underneath, it hasn't, it hasn't mattered that much to me. Um, but, but at any rate, like I, I, I do think Microsoft should be one of the companies that, uh, that, that leads the, the fast follow movement behind Microsoft and Frank, uh, sorry, behind Apple. And frankly, that's always been their position. They've always looked at Apple for 20 yeah. years. They've been <laughs> looking know. at Apple yeah. and going, Hey, what's Apple doing? Maybe we should do it. Maybe we should copy yeah. it. So this was 35 the new years. Round yeah. <laughs> exactly. Funny. So, um, no, go, ahead. go ahead. She well, I'll, I'll, I'll just a, a quick one. Um, are so if somebody, like say, if law enforcement, and you may not be able to answer this, I don't know, but I mean, if law enforcement wants suspects a bad person is or a, or a suspect is is using your surface to hide their tracks, I would imagine they're coming to you and saying, "Help us out here," or maybe they're more muscular than that. Um, What's your? What do you have to say about that? That you can say if, and I may be projecting um, a little too much we, when I ask that. You know what? No, it's a fair question, and, and my answer is very simple. We comply with subpoena requests, and mm. you know I say that for two reasons. One, it's true. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> uh, none of us want to go to jail, uh, so we <laughs> we comply with U.S. subpoena requests, and we do get them, and. Uh, the other is we don't want, and I, you know, I hate to say this, but like, we don't want you if you are, if, uh, as a customer, if you're yeah. in, in, engaging in criminal behavior, if you're, and, and there's gray areas, you know, if you're a, you're a dissident from a political regime in another country, and that country's government gives us a, some form of their subpoena request, we're not going to honor it. You know, if there's no proof that, that they've done something that we would consider under our um, nation's laws criminal, then we see no reason to honor it. It's just a breach of their ability to be a free citizen of the world. But mm. in terms of criminal activity engaged under the rubric of our services in the United States, we would comply with those services and we don't want you as a customer. What what information do you have to share with them in that case? I mean, I you you must have personal information on your. I mean, the bait. We, we don't have anything more than a typical service would have, but we have a you know a log of some some forms of interaction that we purge regularly. But you know, you know, like like IP addresses are extant in our system for x months and and so forth and and frankly we have to store uh credit card transactions for longer than that because of u.s financial regulations and so forth so there is like there's some log activity and and like frankly the the vpn vendors who who go out there and represent that like 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 on their websites when you sign up that you're totally immune to anything because there are no logs there's no trace of your behavior after you sign up for them are frankly bullshitting the the the, the customer anyway um mm-hmm. so we don't take that approach we try to be more realistic and transparent about it interesting okay um that said that said i think if you want like a super high degree of anonymity 
there are there are alternative services that you can piece together to get the same kind of functionality that say you know we as a company and blur as a product provide that may be higher that may give that may avail you a higher levels of of anonymity we are not trying to be that brand uh that gives you uh you know the ultimate level of uh of anonymity and i talk a lot about this and i and, and i say to both our customers and our internal team the following i say look privacy reasonable privacy is actually fairly easy to achieve um despite what other people might tell you you can do a few things in your browser with your email address and so forth and you know, use delete me and so on and you actually can get a lot uh, like a ton more privacy than 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 your neighbor uh and and you can tr tremendously reduce the the profile that's that's a digital footprint that's out there about you and i think people that have really good knowledge of this like edward snowden would agree he's been quoted as saying hey ad blockers work um you know this that and the other thing and 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 i would agree with him um the moving up a notch to hey can i become anonymous on the internet can i go do research on anything i want and, and express any view i want and and transact on uh you know for for any kind of drug that i want and be assured that that's going to be completely anonymous that is a very difficult and very expensive right. uh proposition and frankly it was before the internet yeah, that's why we have the archetypes of, of detective and spy um mm. it's always been hard to achieve anonymity but the good news for the majority of people uh, on the web today is it's it's not so hard to achieve a better uh lower digital footprint so i i've said a few times you know in various episodes you know i like I basically say that the the internet is it, not to be melodramatic, but I say the internet is becoming a scarier and scarier place, right? And it's it. I feel as though most people, even you know, aside from nerds, but even nerds included, like me, uh, we have to increasingly become almost security experts to protect ourselves. Now there are services you provide a service. There are other services, VPN, you know, what whatnot that um, might help the average consumer to protect themselves at a basic level but I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to that like both to the nerd audience <laughs> uh, the diy geeks like us and also as um doc might say the muggles who uh might need a little bit more assistance and don't have this the same level of technical skill what are the things that that both groups should be should be looking out for the most and what are the easiest things we can do to uh kind of well, protect yeah, time. I mean, I get that question almost every podcast, every interview, um, and it's a good one. And, and I, you know, and I think too, too infrequently, we uh, miss talking about uh, the the onslaught of AI as a uh, as a backdrop to this conversation because what's you know not to be a fear monger, but when when we unleash increasingly powerful algorithms in the cloud. To analyze pattern data and we provide you know more and more data whether uh, it's consensual or not I think the convergence of those two things is very troubling and and it is not showing signs of slowing down I think that's a that's just a factual statement so um, so I think it is concerning like uh, algorithmic discrimination uh the ability you know decisions are increasingly going to be made by algorithms not by people and they're going to be increasingly made on data we have not not explicitly consensually agreed to provide to those algorithms and 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 thirdly we're never going to know about it. we're literally never a decision is going to be made and we're never going to know about it. did we did we get access to a certain you know, job opportunity, uh, healthcare uh, opportunity, uh, you know, insurance, um, this, that, or other, housing, things that are very important to people's lives um, are going to be shaped by algorithms and never, you know, it's sort of like a, um, you know, this idea of a false door. You don't know what you don't know. Like, you don't know if there was, you know, an opportunity that was, 
may be uh, possible for you if you hadn't shared all this data and you were just looked at as a number, a simple number, but now all of a sudden you've been put into a bucket by an algorithm and you never, you never saw that opportunity in the first place. So I think it's hard to talk about this stuff and, and make people, you know, sort of viscerally aware of it. But I, I think it is very concerning, um, you know, looking, looking forward, you know, five years uh, hence. Um, and, and then to the, the crux of your question, what can people do about it, uh, whether they're uh, DIY uh, geeks or um, everyday uh, netizens, um, I think, uh, you know, largely, I, I, I say two things, you know, one, do the basics, uh, you know, use an ad blocker if you browse, um, a tracker blocker as we call it, um, um, don't share you know, all the, you know, use a password manager, generate unique passwords, you know, all the, the, you know, the few basic things that, that, um, everyone I think should be educated, uh, you know, that, that, that uses the web today, uh, on are, are, are actually good things to do and secure your, your key accounts with, uh, 2FA kind of things, whether it's your, you know, a text to your phone, uh, or, uh, you know, an authenticator app or, uh, you know, or whatever. Um, the other thing that I say, which is a little bit less non-obvious is don't, um, don't join one of the few clubs on the internet and give that club all of your, and use that club for everything that you do. And by club, I mean, Google, Facebook, mm -hmm. Microsoft, uh, Amazon, et cetera. So in other words, if you if, if you use a cloud um, storage account, don't make that the same as your web email account provider, mm. and don't make that the same as uh, you know um, uh, you know your 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 streaming media company. Because what these companies want, and I I'm referring to them as clubs, is they want you to do everything inside of their bubble, and the more you do that even if they offer you a deal hey you know tv streaming tv for you is only you know twenty dollars a month and if you go over you know to uh to netflix or hulu it's it's forty dollars a month hey that seems like a great deal it's not a great deal because they're using your data combined with other data they have about you to uh to inform uh a, a, both a very detailed personal profile and to train their algorithms. So something that you, you said earlier made me kind of want to take this in the direction of facial recognition. Um, that's something that I always think of. You know, people people my age are showing are sharing pictures of their kids nonstop on, on on online, and that's something like I don't have any. If I did, I would never put a picture of them online ever, especially not now with you know facial recognition becoming you know such a hot topic. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it, it brings me to a, a topic that we, we haven't touched on this conversation, which is the role of government and legislation. And I do think uh, where facial recognition is concerned, um, the government needs to play a key role because uh, we cannot just let that kind of a technology be used in the same unfettered, free, free to test it out in any way, shape, or form, uh, way that we've allowed the data brokers on, on, on the internet to progress over the last 10 or 20 years. So what I, the point I was making is what happened with the data broker industry as the web industry developed is that they were allowed to do anything they wanted. And if you go back to the 1970s, uh, that was never the case uh, back then. So when, when the credit bureaus started, the, the names we're all familiar with when we check our credit scores, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, they were actually regulated companies under, under a congressional law called the FCRA. And that law is what allows consumers today to kind of demand their free credit report once a year from any of these companies. And what's happened in the interim is that we've had such a laissez-faire approach 
to data and to the internet and to quote innovation that we've created thousands of Experian's and Equifax's and TransUnion's in the form of these data brokers that are completely unregulated. And my, my, my parallel or the point I'd like to make about that is we cannot let that happen, that same thing happen with facial recognition. Because if we do, every time we go outside our house, everything about us is going to be tracked known, put in some kind of database without our explicit knowledge, consent, you know, whatever. And we're going to be living in an Orwellian world like, uh, like when I visit mainland China. Yeah. It, it is that. My, my concern with um, federal, with, with regulation, and I say this as somebody who is very enthused about the, uh, the GDPR, not about the CCPA in California, but the GDPR for sure. And I expected a lot out of that. And what we got instead was functionally zero enforcement and a much worse web experience where we have to go through a cookie gauntlet at the front of it and where the, if you look up GDPR compliance, nothing is about our relief from bad acting. 220 million websites, according to Google, are busy selling ways to obey the letter of the GDPR while completely screwing its spirit. And so there's that. And there's also what an FC, a former FCC chairman told a small group of us a while back when we were talking about net neutrality. He said, um, he said so here's, here's the problem. I've spoken to everybody in Congress at one time or another, and there are two things that almost to a person they don't understand, none of them. One is economics and the other is technology. Now, good luck. And, and I sort of feel like that's, that's an inherent problem. And mostly when we get regulation, it protects yesterday from last Thursday. Um, and then we're, we're stuck with it for the next thousand years. I mean, for example, with, because we never figured out what to do with podcasting way back when the DMCA came along in the late 90s, actually October of, of 1998. Um, nobody wonders why, well, geez, why do we have no music on podcasts? We never worked that out. We only have talk podcasts. You know, the Spotify's of the world and the Apple's and others worked out their, you know, compulsory license agreements, whatever it was that they cooked up with the record industry because they're gigantic and they could do it. Um, but otherwise, we never did it with podcasting. And maybe that, that may even be a good thing because it helped podcasting grow. But there was nothing intentional involved there. But you, you look at Google and Facebook alone, for example, they have many dozens of data centers, this, or AWS as well, you know, that are the size of nuclear power plants, and there are no white-coated um, federal regulators walking around those plants checking for compliance, you know, like you can do with a, a nuclear power plant. You know, you can't do that. There's no way of knowing exactly what's going on inside those companies. You can't, they're not even monitorable in a, in a, in a serious way. So I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, personally, I, I would like to see really enlightened regulation. And, and I think it's a no-brainer, or it's a somewhat of a brainer, and you've just brained it really well, that f facial recognition is, is the ice nine of this. You know, it's the Andromeda strain of, of, of dystopia. You know, it's, it's the one thing we don't want loose in the world, or all of a sudden the world changes too much to go back. And that's kind of what we're facing with facial recognition. If, if, if my watch can, can, you know, go past anybody who goes by and I'm paying somebody for, tell me all the faces I'm seeing and what they're, where they came from. This is conceivable. It's totally conceivable. And, and it's, and it would be, but, it, but it'd be wrong also for only law enforcement to have that, which is kind of the Chinese approach, which is don't worry as long as we all, we're, as long as your government is the only one that knows this stuff. You know, it's, it's a, it's the interesting. Chinese, the, Chinese, the Chinese approach is a terrible, terrible approach. It's antithetical to American values and to democracy, and it should be called out. Um, and frankly, the, the company that we were just, uh, you know, um, talking about so, uh, so glowingly, Apple, has done a very poor job in doing that because their business interests are so tied China, yeah. but without getting into it's their second policy. largest market. They do, you know, 40, 50 uh, billion and, a year. and it's where they do yeah. almost all their manufacturing and, and, and on and on. But the, the, I think, I think 
I'm no, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. By definition, most entrepreneurs, if you survey them, don't think government is a highly efficient vehicle for getting yeah. things done in life. So I am in that group of entrepreneurs that would uh, concur. And when you look back at, at your comments about the GDPR and so forth, I would nod my head to most of them. What um, I would say two things. One, you know, things at the societal level take a long time, a frustratingly long time. And, uh, you know, as I get older, I, I, I have to put up, take off my entrepreneur hat and put on my politician slash historian hat and, and remember that. And secondly, um, simplicity is, is a really important paradigm. And in the case of facial recognition and potentially other technologies that are of the Andromeda strain uh, ilk, so to speak, I think we should just have a very, very simple policy. Ban them. Ban them for, for federal government use, police use, and, uh, and industries. And, and, and I'm an advocate of, uh, of banning um, facial recognition across the board in the United States because if you try to gild the lily and, and figure out how to encourage facial recognition innovation while yet protecting society and all this other stuff, I think you end up with another GDPR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it really, I mean, it's so easy to imagine where that can go. So, Catherine, you're smiling. The dig on GDPR amuses me a little bit, but <laughs> that's all. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm excessively cynical about it or just reasonably cynical, but um, I, I guess I share your, both of your thoughts that uh, I think entrepreneurs and technologists are, are better hope than, than regulation. But you know, I don't know. I mean, that, that that's all. Those are those are also the people that got us into this mess. So and, and well, and Catherine, to that point, you know, I don't want to be too too negative and, and and certainly not too cynical. I mean, we operate our company. We're doubling every year. We're growing like crazy right now because consumers and businesses are telling us what you're doing has value, and you mm -hmm. can help us solve our privacy issues. And we don't need legislation in order to do that. And we are, you know, every time somebody pays us, we know we're solving a problem and, and then gives us a good rating and score and feedback and everything else. We know we're solving a problem. So I do think there's a huge potential for a marketplace to develop here. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's very uh, in line with American values. You know, markets solve problems. And so, and, and, you know, and back to some of my original comments, we are seeing, well, we've been in this space for 10 years, very few companies uh, have, and the amount of talented, new entrepreneurial uh, uh, is sort of both, both money and talent and energy uh, in, this, in this privacy sector has never been at this level. I, I, it's just a really? fact and it's, it's, it, it, it is awesome, uh, to see, I've been an investor and I've been an entrepreneur and I can tell you that there is more activity going on now to try to create a market market driven option for, uh, for, for people to regain control over their data, regain control over their privacy, uh, and fight in a way uh, you know, against, uh, you know, what's happened in the last 10 years on the web than I've ever seen before. So I think that's very encouraging. That, that's our pull quote, uh, Catherine. That's our yeah. pull quote. It's there a long go. one, but it's a good one. I, that, that's really encouraging. I, you know, I, I'm, um, my wife and I are actually going to, I'm talking to you from our apartment in New York right now. I wish we still lived in Arlington, but I don't, we don't, but, um, and, we're going to be we're going to be uh rebasing ourselves in Bloomington, Indiana uh for the next year because the ideas we've been spreading for the last 10 20 years are catching on in these places. Bloomington, Boston's actually one of them in the real estate world and in there's a farm to table people in upstate uh Michigan who are saying that you know we're and they're all about let's 
let's build markets around the individuals and what the individuals want. Let's 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 start let's start building markets from what you and I need out rather than in the in the frankly the cookie based client server world where we are always going to be subordinate. I mean, I mean, I'd like your thoughts on this because I I feel like I've really reached this conclusion, and it's a provisional one just in the last few months that client server itself, which which we chose like in 1995, is which I've been told is a euphemism for slave master, is the problem. I mean, it's like we we built the web on this. You know, Tim Berners-Lee basically came up with a way that um, with, hypertext, with the hypertext protocol that any two IP addresses could, could look at documents at a distance, not that we would build all of e-commerce on a, on a client-server model where the servers are in charge of everything and the client, the client is always the one that has to agree to everything. And, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that because I'm wondering if we can, if do we move just away from that while we're busy fixing that or can it never be quite fixed you know keeping you in business frankly for well 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 know. you know i think it's a great it, it you know again these are really super interesting questions for any of us that have been in the technology industry for you know decades yeah. um and you know I, I, i'm personally set aside the business of, of, of privacy and data collection, and everything else, a fan of localism and, and, and sort of, you know, trying to reimagine our economy on a, on a more personal scale. But in terms of, uh, the technology, uh, in terms of the technology world, you know, I'm also, and have been mainly because I run a privacy company, um, in and around the crypto and blockchain world. And, if you're deep in those worlds, what you see is a is a real shift away from client server, uh, wow. and one that and one that super smart people, including some of the you know the best entrepreneurs that are out there, frankly, uh, in the world, are uh, spending you know 16 hours a day uh, rolling up their sleeves working on. So I think the shift away from client server to what these people call Web three which is a much more federated, distributed, consensus-driven, governance-explicit, tokenized, you know, sort of model of technology. And I threw out a lot of buzzwords there that, you know, people may or may not, you know, understand. Um, but effectively, like, applying the principles of Bitcoin to a whole lot of things that have been uh, tied down by a server serves you a web page to a browser, uh, I think that 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 uh, economy and that marketplace is on fire, and it's a very interesting one to watch. Wow, yeah, that is interesting. Well, that's our next episode. We'll have to have you back. Yeah, we'll have, have to have you that. back for you that. Can have me, you can have me back for that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to ask you a question about uh, Abine because um, what I remember was, and I may have this wrong. As one of you, I think it's you went and found these like super smart engineers and like built a company around them. Was it you the one that did that or was it one of them that found you or what was, or more, you were one of those super smart engineers? But I, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly because it's been like probably 10 years since I, I was, it. I was, I, I, Doc, I'm glad you forgot because I was the not, the not super smart engineer. My co-founders, Andrew and that's Eugene, what I, okay, that's where they were the MIT, they were actually MIT fraternity uh, friends. Yeah. Um, and, and also super smart uh, uh, engineers as MIT has in space. So yeah, 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 yeah. They were the ones, <laughs> they were the ones really that had the vision around uh, privacy and the trends happening that we see now, that we see happening now 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm remembering that accurately. <laughs> you were the guy that worked with those two other guys. Those yeah, other guys. I was the dumb business guy working with those two other guys. And here I am, <laughs> the dumb business guy who's still around ten, ten years <laughs> later, growing, growing like a weed. You know, I'm, I'm really glad you guys have succeeded the way you have. I mean, that's they've seen so many companies fall by the wayside. You know, at at Project VRM, which by the way is still going at the Berkman Center. At, or the Berkeley Klein Center now at Harvard, a meeting that they they run servers that host us. You know, I'm not there physically. Nobody's at, at anywhere physically anymore. But, um, uh, but I, I I've gone back and I've like edited the Abine 
entries on our list of developers, you know, but you've been there. Others have kind of like, I'm not going to name names, but have kind of showed up in the similar or adjacent businesses and have come and gone, you know, so. Well, I mean, there's, that's you all. know, Gabriel, Gabriel DuckDuckGo Duck, 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 has yeah. done a tremendous job building a business. And, uh, and there are a few others that have been around, uh, you know, ProtonMail, Andy at ProtonMail, for example. There, there are a few of us that have been around since, you know, God knows when, but, uh, but I think we're on the cusp of a new, uh, a new era, uh, you know, whether or not it has the, uh, the, uh, level of investment and talent to change the entire industry, I think is a very TBD question, but I can tell you that, that factually, there's more investment, more talent, and more energy coming into the project space today than there ever has been. Wow. I think you're right about that. You know, it's funny. So I, I was at my mom's house recently visiting, uh, and she lives in what I would consider to be middle of nowhere, Texas, although I suppose anything within about an hour and a half radius of Austin is prob probably has a, a little bit of an advantage with their tech savvy, maybe. But I'm driving on a fairly rural road, and there I see a giant billboard for DuckDuckGo. And I'm like, oh my God, privacy has arrived. I mean, it's on this semi-rural road in the middle of Texas, duck, you know, promoting DuckDuckGo. And I, I was blown away by that. They're on every, they fund like, I think everybody who's got a public radio station, I think they're on all of those, you know, it's, uh, and we've had Gabriel on, you know. Yeah, so, it's been a while. Good guy. We should, we should yeah. have him again. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. he, he's done a fantastic job uh, and, and uh, you know, um, it's, it's great to see, uh, it's great to see both Apple and, 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 you know, successful companies like DuckDuckGo and then even the two person new startups that we're seeing, uh, you know, I saw one, uh, you know, this week and another one last week. And, 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 and it, you know, one, one, one is called Redact and it's trying to allow you to, um, easily purge and selectively purge your old, you know, uh, postings on across a lot of different sites. If you, it said, said certain things on, on, on Skype and it's in your history, for example, you can go search for those and remove them. There's all kinds of people tackling the different aspects of this problem in different ways. And I think it's exciting. It is exciting, especially, you know, the more uh, those of us of a certain age um, note that we may or may not have posted things to the internet before we considered whether or not that was a good idea. And we worry that maybe they'll bite us in the ass later. But <laughs> not if you use the me, of course, not me. I'm far <laughs> too young for that to be a problem. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I think there are things Cutting that I... Cutting this part out, lest anyone find out I'm not 25. Yeah, I think there are things I said on Usenet that are you can find in whatever Google still maintains of that from like the 80s, I think, that are, are out there if one looks deeply enough for them. I did that like 15 years ago and I haven't bothered since because it turns out it wasn't anything too incriminating, but we were all young once. <laughs> so that happens. Some of us pretend we still are. Yeah, well, you can do that more successfully than me, you know. Closely guarded. Stuff. I'm the one that when you're standing at the bus stop, they lower the bus for you, <laughs> which I hate, <laughs> you know. I also hate it when well, Doc, I, I think you're doing pretty well because you look, you look the same or younger than when I, when oh, I, thank when you. I last had coffee with you. Thank you. I think I had hair then, though. I mean, I think I had more hair anyway, you know. <laughs> but thanks. That's, that's very kind. <laughs> I'm so still here. That's have, okay. we been, That's okay. have we been talking for a whole hour? I, I think, think we've, we've been, been more than a whole hour. hour. Been wow. Great. Yeah. Um, Goes fast. Wondering, it might be time to wrap up. I think we're going to have to have a sequel, obviously. Um, yeah, I wonder if we have any parting thoughts or, or wisdom. I mean, aside from obviously go check out some of the services we've just mentioned, like DuckDuckGo, Redact, Delete Me, Blur. Um, Anything else? Any, any hopeful? I, I think the hopeful mess. This is actually well, one of the more hopeful uh, episodes we've done it's recently. Very hopeful, yeah. There's yeah. an awful lot of despairing sh shit out there, frankly. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, how many ways are we screwed? Well, let me, where do we start? You know, and, you know, but you've, you know, I, I'm just really, 
I'm really pleased with a lot of the stuff that you said, especially about what's coming together. You know, the the investment, the energy, the people coming into a, a market that have privacy itself is turning changing from an issue to a marketplace. You know, I mean that um, one of the things, and, and the thing, one an interesting thing for me is that we'll wait forever for the advertising industry to fix itself. It's not going to happen, right? It, you know, that uh, to me, it's one of the most interesting things. My wife actually came up with this metaphor that as soon as it was clear in like 2012, 13, that do not track was a fail in a sense that nobody was going to respect it and that the advertising business and their dependence in publishing were going to crap on it. The users took over and they, you know, ad blocking had been around since 2004 and and ad blocking and tracking protection took off to the degree that there may have been a billion or more, maybe more than that, b b blocked ads. And she said, that's the biggest boycott in human history. And yet that industry didn't look at that and say, this is a really interesting message, you know, feedback from the marketplace. But instead, well, that's a problem for us, you know, and that that's why I don't think they're going to fix themselves, but we can fix it. The rest of us could fix it, you know, we're, you know, because we're working for the users. We're working for you and me, you know, and you've got customers, which is really cool. People pay you for what, what you do. And that's, that's just great. I mean, you're not just like, you know, bu bundling up a bunch of attention and selling it to somebody. Oh, okay. uh, There's our title, by the way, Rob fixes the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Please don't put me in, in any title, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but very, very, uh, a perfect wrap up guys. Um, couldn't yeah. agree more. Great. Well, it's been awesome Great. having you on here and we will, you know, we say that often, but we really do have to have you back, especially to, this is moving fast. So there will be progress to report. Yeah. I Thanks so, so much for joining and, us. And it's my pleasure. And it's really fun to, to hang out uh, and let's, let's do it again soon.